Turn with me to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? The one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue? Who does no harm to his friend or discredit his neighbor? Who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps his word, whatever the cost? Who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent? The one who does these things will never be shaken. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, they had a unique situation before that time and then uh, it completely changed afterwards. What happened was, as they sinned, the fellowship with God was broken. And uh, each day they had walked in the cool of the day with the Lord, but in the garden, as they sinned against God, that fellowship was broken, and they were cast out of the garden. And we have been struggling ever since. Uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so all of us have a breach in our relationship with God and uh, have a separation that can only be solved through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we choose to repent of our sin and put our trust in Him, God forgives us. He cleanses us and clothes us with the righteousness of Christ so that we can come into His presence. And Jesus said we could come boldly. Uh, and and whatever, whatever we need, we can go to Him in that time of need. So each of us who have put our faith in Christ, we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. The veil has been ripped. We can go into God's presence. But there are some things that we can do to improve that intimacy with God. Uh, yes, I have a positional righteousness in Christ. But as I grow spiritually, I can learn to draw near to the Lord in a more effective way. Uh, in scripture, I think relationships in general work like this. Uh, as you build trust and as you grow in your relationship, the intimacy gets deeper. The same thing is true in the spiritual life. And uh, in this psalm, we have God telling us through the pen of David how we can improve our intimacy with God. That spiritual intimacy or communion with God. And I can think of nothing more that will encourage you in difficult days or lift you up when you're broken than to draw near to God and to be close to the Lord in your time with Him. And so uh, we need to put these things into practice that He's giving us here. The title of my message is Improving Intimacy in Prayer. You know, I believe that intimacy in prayer can affect our effectiveness for the Lord as well. Because as we draw near to Him, as we walk with Him, He begins to live through us, and others see Jesus in us. He speaks through us, and our words are more effective. Um, and so intimacy with God, I think, is the key to everything in the Christian life. So how do you improve your intimacy in prayer? First thing I want you to see is you need to keep your word. Doesn't that sound funny? 
there's some specific actions he's giving that show us how to live this righteous lifestyle that will help us dwell with God. Uh, look at verse 1. Before I get into that too much, look at verse 1. He says, Lord, who can dwell in your tent and who can live in your holy mountain? What's he talking about here? Well, the tent or the tabernacle of God was the place where God dwelt. Who can dwell on your holy hill? What was the holy hill? That was the place the temple sat. And so he's saying, who can draw near to you in your presence? Who can be close to you? Who can have intimacy with you in their relationship with you? And then these qualifications he's going to give come. Now, obviously, none of us keeps these qualifications perfectly. Uh, if we had to keep everything perfectly, none of us would ever have intimacy with God because all of us are sinners. What is God's standard? Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And none of us are. Uh, however, look at this not so much as earning your way into God's presence, because none of us can do that. But look at this as a checklist of ways or things that you can do uh, to grow in righteousness, which will help you then, as a result, grow closer to the Lord and have more power and intimacy in your prayer life. So, uh, how do you do it? You need to, first of all, keep your word. Keep your word. The one who lives blamelessly or who, who walks in integrity is how you translate uh, verse 2. The idea is that when you say something, you follow through with it. That you are a trustworthy person, a person of integrity. Have you ever known somebody that tells you they're going to do something and never follows through? Isn't that frustrating? <laughs> um, perhaps you have done that. Perhaps you have told somebody, well, I'm going to do this, and, and, but you've not followed through. Maybe you have somebody in your family that does that. How does that make you feel when somebody gives you a promise and they don't follow through? Does that build your closeness to them, or does that drive a wedge, maybe uh, annoy uh, and irritate and frustrate? Um, keeping your word is more than just a good relational principle. It is something that will help us in drawing close to the Lord because it pleases God. Uh, when we have integrity in our relationships, what it does is it honors God. Because what did Jesus say? Uh, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So how I treat my brother is how I treat Christ. You remember what uh, Paul was told on the Damascus Road? Jesus appears to him. He says, uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why do you persecute my church? Why do you persecute me? So that as Saul was persecuting the church of God, he was actually persecuting Christ. Uh, so how we treat other people makes a huge difference. Uh, having integrity and being a person who is trustworthy uh, is more than just a good idea. It is a key to growing closer in your walk with God. So be a person who lives with integrity. Keep your word with others. Secondly, do what is right. Do what is right. He says in verse 2, the one who lives blamelessly practices righteousness. Do what is right. Um, 
we talked a little bit this morning about not just sitting and soaking, but serving, right? Doing what is right. Well, that's true within the church, but it's also true in your daily life. Where If you're at work or if you're uh, at your place of leisure and you have an opportunity to do what is right, uh, do what is right as God leads you to do it. Uh, sometimes that may mean um, taking a stand. It may mean saying to, to somebody who says, listen, I want you to do this at work. And you say, well, I can't do that because uh, I'm a follower of Christ. Um, it may mean uh, actually doing something above and beyond. It may mean working when the boss is not looking, right? I, I used to kind of get tickled when, it, when I worked at Hardee's. Uh, it was amazing the difference in the employees when the manager came through and when the manager exited. You know, everybody, you know, the manager would exit and people start doing this and talking, right? And as soon as he came back in, you know, we were washing the counters, you know, and, uh, and uh, it was amazing the difference. But to do what is right, uh, to work, as uh, Paul said, with, with, uh, not with the eye service as men pleasers, but to do the will of God from the heart. And so uh, doing what is right um, may also involve doing something that is good for your neighbor. This is something that sounds simple, but uh, uh, our next-door neighbor, we've got a, a new uh, person living next to us, and uh, my son David was so excited the other day. He said, Dad, he mowed the grass, and he mowed all the way over to the tree. <laughs> and doesn't that sound like a small thing? But uh, David, David had been kind of ticked because he was having to mow, mow the other lawn because it looked, looked bad. You know, if you left a strip of grass there, he was having to go mow on the other side. And uh, just a simple thing, just doing something uh, that uh, this guy actually mowed some of ours. He actually came over in ours a little bit. And uh, he did something uh, that was a kind thing to do. And so as you, as you do these things... Uh, not only does it please God, but it also sometimes builds a bridge uh, in a relationship with somebody else. And so, do what is right. Now, how do you know what's right? Well, you find it in the Word of God. Uh, you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, as you do that, as you walk in dependence upon Him each day, you can live that righteous lifestyle. It's also... Um, something that is not just done once in a while in isolation, but it's something that's ongoing, who practices, who does in an ongoing way, righteousness. So, improving intimacy in prayer, what, what do you do? Keep your word, do what is right, speak the truth. Again, look at verse 2. It says, my translation says he acknowledges the truth in his heart. Literally, it says he speaks the truth with his heart or in his heart. I kind of think he's talking about with his heart, sincerely. He speaks the truth sincerely. Um, we need to speak the truth as God's people. Uh, it says that uh, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, we're called to speak the truth that God has given us to share. Um, sometimes speaking the truth may mean sharing words with a friend that we love that are uncomfortable. It may mean confronting a sin. Uh, but other times, speaking the truth may be saying something that's encouraging, a, a truth from God's Word, or maybe sharing what God 
ministered to you with, maybe the song or uh, uh, something you heard on the radio that ministered to you, and you share that, and you're speaking truth into somebody's life. But speaking the truth. Also, what is the truth? The truth is God's Word. Um, and so as we share God's Word with other people, there's power in that. Uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And you see that. It, you know, it's amazing. I, I love to hear, the Gideons are coming in a couple of weeks, I believe. And uh, I love to hear how the Gideons uh, uh, share these stories of what just a simple copy of God's Word does in somebody's life. Um, I remember the last time uh, they came, they were sharing about this guy who, who opened up. He was struggling. He opened up the, the Gideon Bible in his hotel room, and he read the entire book of Romans. Uh, is that not, first of all, that kind of makes you, makes you scratch your head a little bit. You know, somebody who doesn't know Christ, so hungry to hear from God, they read the entire book of Romans. And guess what? Somewhere in the middle of it, he came to faith in Christ. There's power in the Word of God. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a power in the gospel. And as we share it, there's an inherent uh, power because it comes from God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So as we share the Word of God, the Spirit of God takes that Word and uses it to communicate to human hearts. Um, I love uh, what the Scripture says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we take in God's Word into our life, Rather than being conformed to the culture, it transforms us from the inside out. And so, um, speaking the truth is so powerful. As you speak the truth with your kids, you know, Deuteronomy says, as you're walking along the way, when you sit down, when you rise, and uh, you speak this truth uh, with your kids, pass this along. Uh, sometimes I'll share what God's uh, shown me in my quiet time with my kids. When they were little, they had such a short attention span. I was working with them on the Ten Commandments, and I think it probably took us a month to learn one commandment. And we'd go half a phrase, you know, okay, what's the phrase we're doing, you know? And you got to kind of corral the attention. Hey, okay, look at look, look here. Don't look over there, look over here, you know? And, uh, okay, what, what do we talk about? What's the words? I don't remember, Daddy. Okay, here we go. This is, this is what we're learning. And so we would just go over and over and over again. Well, finally, they got those Ten Commandments down uh, after some time. But uh, speaking the truth is a powerful thing. And you plant these seeds in, in the hearts of your children, they can bear some great fruit. Uh, so improving intimacy in prayer, is speaking the truth is not just for others, but it also, as we speak the truth, it honors God and it prepares the way for us to have intimacy with Him. And by the way, you can't come to God and try to deceive God. You've got to speak the truth with him because he knows our heart. I, I was telling a couple weeks ago uh, in Bible study about this pastor who was, who was praying with this lady. She said, Pastor, I want you to pray with me for my son. And, and so uh, she began her prayer and she said, God, I thank you that my son is a good boy. And the pastor said, hang on. Both you and I know that's not true. Let's start out by being honest with God, okay? But isn't that true? Sometimes we, we try to think, okay, well, uh, you know, I need to, to try to sugarcoat things, you know, and 
But if you read the Psalms, you find a very blunt honesty with where the David or whoever it is, the psalmist at different times, uh, as they pray to God, they're honest. Sometimes that honesty would be expressing frustration. Sometimes that honesty would be expressing fear uh, or concern about enemies. But there was always honesty with God. If you want to have intimacy with God, you must be honest. Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. So, honest about our, our sins as well. So, improving intimacy in prayer, keep your word, do what is right, speak the truth, hold your tongue. Look at verse 3. He does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor. Hold your tongue. You know, we do a lot of damage with our tongue. The Bible says a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Uh, we can damage somebody's reputation so easily. There's something wrong when we delight in the dirt on everybody else. Um, the Bible tells us that true Christian love is patient, it's kind, it believes all things. That doesn't mean a gullibility, but it just means that God's people believe the best. When we're walking in Christ's love, we believe the best about other people. Hold your tongue. Uh, sometimes that can, the, the Bible says that Solomon told his son, a wise man holds his peace. Fools blurt everything they know. Uh, so hold your tongue. It will, do, it will do wonders for your relationships. It will do wonders for the body of Christ. That simple thing. But it will also open up greater intimacy with God. Did you know if you have a regular gossip habit, you won't have an intimate prayer life? Did you know if you're filthy with your speech, it will quench the Spirit of God and your relationship with God will suffer? Hold your tongue. But you know what? All of us are guilty with it, aren't we? The Bible says that the one who uh, holds his tongue and uh, who doesn't offend with his tongue is the same as a perfect man. There's nobody who does that. All of us struggle with sins of speech. So what do you do if you, if you blow it? Confess it. Well, that's the same with any of these things. Confess it to God. Say, Lord, I haven't been holding my tongue. Forgive me for this gossip or forgive me uh, for lashing out in anger, whatever it might be. Um, and, uh, and Lord, change my heart. Help me to love as you love. Fill me with your spirit and love through me. So hold your tongue. Next, honor God's people. Now, these are God-fearers, uh, literally. Is, verse 4 says, who despises the one rejected by the Lord but who honors those who fear the Lord. So, who do you value? That's what honor is. Honor means to treat somebody as weighty. Honor your father and mother. Treat them as, as weighty, as important. Okay? Um, the person that honors those who fear God, it means they value those who love the Lord. Who do you value? Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, we had gone, our church youth group had gone uh, to a youth evangelism conference in Nashville, and we walked into this hotel room, or well, not the room, but the, the foyer there, 
And uh, across the way was a music group. I noticed these, these girls in the, in the youth group started going. You know, and they started shaking and they started grinning. Do you see that? Do you see that? And uh, it was a music group across the, across the way. New Edition was there. I, probably, you probably don't even remember who New Edition is. But uh, anyway, they were so excited. And then we went to the Youth Evangelism Conference and the speakers, the pastor got up. Do you know not a one of them shook? Not a one of them got excited? Not a one of them said, look, the youth director's come to speak to us. See, who do we value? Now, I realize I've kind of been a little facetious there. But the truth is, who we value, who we appreciate, shows a lot about where our heart is. If you delight in the things of God, guess what? You're going to delight in people who delight in the things of God. The person who honors those who fear the Lord will notice a difference in their intimacy with God. Uh, because what you value, what, is, what does the scripture say? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It doesn't say you'll seek me and find me when you come to church. It doesn't even say you'll seek me and find me when you have devotions. It doesn't say you'll seek me and find me when you check off all the boxes. You remember those boxes in Sunday school you used to have to check off? <laughs> uh, I'd kind of, you know, look both ways, you know, some, read your Bible daily, you know. And, um, but um, no, it doesn't say that. It says that you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's about the heart. And so... The person who longs after God, who seeks God with all their heart, is somebody who delights in God. By the way, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a great promise? And so, if you honor God's people, it shows that you value the things of God. You delight in the Lord, you're going to delight in those who delight in the Lord because they have the same desire that you have. Uh, I remember when I was in, in high school, a lot of times the football players sat together, right? The cheerleaders sat together. The band people sat together. The geeks sat together, right? I mean, it's amazing how that works. There's, a, there's an affinity there. And the people who had the same kind of interests generally ended up sitting together. Same thing is true spiritually. You value the people who fear God. I lo love what uh, the scripture says. He who trembles at my word. You take God's word seriously. Uh, so, honor God's people, these, these God-fearers. And that will actually go a long way towards helping you in your intimacy with God. Then, stand your ground. Look at verse 4 again. He who keeps his word, whatever the cost. Now, we've already talked about doing what you say you do. Uh, but here there's an idea. When I commit my life to follow Christ, guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to come at me and try to get me to compromise my commitment to Christ. What do I do? Stand. Ephesians 6, therefore stand, having done all to stand. Stand against him. Stand your ground when those 
try, people try to pressure you to compromise. Stand your ground. Do what God has called you to do. I love uh, the, the story of Martin Luther. Uh, in 1517, he, he tacked his 95 Theses. He thought he was just going to have a discussion with some scholars. He didn't know it was going to change the world. But all of a sudden, there's all this controversy over these things. And, and he, is, he finds himself in conflict with the leadership of a Catholic church. And they call him before and said, recant, recant what you've said, Martin Luther. And, and he says these famous words. He says, uh, here I stand, I can do no other. My conscience is held captive to the word of God. He was standing his ground. Um, stand your ground on the things of God's word. There are people who aren't going to like the, some of the beliefs you hold or some of the things that you do. As you seek to follow Christ, stand your ground despite it. And you know what? As you honor God, he'll honor you. Um, as you stand your ground, I, I, I love what uh, the scripture says in Acts where Stephen, you remember that godly deacon Stephen who was preaching the word, he, is, uh, he's, he actually began to name sins that his audience, he said, he wasn't very tactful, he said, you did this. You killed Christ. You have, have rebelled against God. You continue to do that. And, and the Bible says they gnashed their teeth at him. That's some, some anger right there. They gnashed their teeth. They rushed at him. And they began to stone him to death. They put these great big stones and they began to crush him to death with these stones. And the Bible says that Stephen, his face was shining like an egg. He was so, so full of the Lord. And he looks up. And he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You, you know what was happening right there? Stephen had honored God and Christ was honoring him. He said, listen, i got to stand for this. That's my son. Stand your ground. God will honor you when you honor him and it will improve your intimacy with God. And finally, obey with your money. Look at what he says in verse 5. Who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent. Now, um, the scripture uh, allowed the Israelites to actually receive interest from foreigners. Uh, they could not receive interest from an Israelite, but that was actually in the context usually of lending money to the poor. Because in those days, you could not declare chapter 11 bankruptcy if you didn't have the money to pay your bills or your creditors generally you either went to prison or you sold yourself into slavery to pay the debt for a certain amount of time and so uh, it was a very serious situation so somebody who was in one of these crises and they come to a friend they say hey would you please lend me money uh, and you, it, a lot of times this, this interest literally the word for interest or usury here means to take a bite so somebody taking a bite out of you. You ever felt that way uh, with, with some people in the world? That, um, but anyway, um, when these people came to their fellow Israelites, they said, hey, I need help. And they said, okay, I'm going to give you help, but 50% interest, buddy. What were they doing? They were oppressing the poor through that. And so God says, look, uh, don't you do that. 
you lend that, lend that money to your brother Israelite, help him out, don't charge him interest, uh, and you'll, you'll be fearing God. So um, then he says, don't take a bribe against the innocent. And so, uh, in other words, taking money to pervert justice. Uh, these are just two instances, but obeying God with your money is important. What did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How we deal with our money is one of the most important things. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you preachers, all, all you do is ever talk about money. Uh, talk about tithing or, um, listen, I did a series. I got a little bit of flack uh, uh, for doing a series on money a while back. I did, I think, a five or six week series on it. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, you know why I did that? I was actually, I never really thought about it in these terms before, but I, I was listening to this fella, and he said, you know, he said, your money is a spiritual issue, and you cannot progress, and you cannot grow in your spiritual life until you're willing to be obedient with your money. And it's like a light bulb came on. My, the spiritual health of my congregation depends upon how they deal with money. I had better talk about it. And so, uh, recognize that. If you want to have intimacy with God, you won't have intimacy with God if you're not obedient in your finances to the Lord. And so uh, it's not about the preacher. And, and I, by the way, I don't go and I look at what people give. And uh, I'm not going to come knock on your door or call you and say, hey, you forgot to pay your tithe, okay? I don't even know who does and who doesn't. This is a matter between you and God. But can I tell you something? It's an important matter. So do it. And, and recognize that as you do it, you'll honor God. By the way, who gives us all we have? The Lord. Uh, he really owns it all. He owns 100%. Some people say, well, give God the 10%. Give God the tithe. He really owns 100%. And, and so what we do is we honor him uh, with our finances. He will honor us and he'll bless us. And um, I, I never, I'll never forget the time my wife and I, we were, uh, had moved to Dallas, and I was going to school there in Dallas, and um, we, we had one part-time salary, okay? And my wife came to me, and she said, uh, Roger, I can either pay our tithe or I can get groceries. What do you want me to do? I said, let's pay the, the tithe and trust God. So that, that was a Sunday morning. We, we paid our tithe that Sunday morning. That Sunday night, uh, we got to church, and uh, I'd been there about a half a year. I was, I was a part-time minister of music and youth at, at, at this church, and they said, hey, we have a tradition. Uh, uh, we, uh, we give groceries to a, new, uh, to a new staff person. We forgot to do that, uh, so come on down, and, and so they did. There were 16 bags of groceries, and there were grocery cards inside the bags I had to just shake my head I said to God wow how awesome are you listen he owns the cattle on a thousand hills he can take care of his own he can supply what we need trust him with your finances and it will help you have greater intimacy in your walk with God so we've been talking I've, we've been doing a series on prayer Improving your intimacy in prayer. You may not think of it in terms of obedience, but if you hear nothing else from me tonight, hear this. Obedience has a direct 
influence upon your intimacy with God. Never forget that. Um, if you've sinned against God and you're coming to the Lord in your quiet time, confess it to the Lord. Uh, one scripture says, uh, if, you're, if you're going to pray and you're going to the altar and you remember your brother has all against you, you go and make it right with him and then come to the altar. What is he saying? Deal with the sin. Take care of it and then come. So uh, recognize that obedience is so important to your intimacy with God. Now, uh, also take a breath and recognize that the Bible says that we all sin. Um, my access doesn't come from my obedience. My access comes from the blood of Christ and the sacrifice that he made at Calvary. But I can grow in my intimacy through obedience. And isn't that how human relationships work too? Sometimes as you uh, begin to do for the other and you begin to love that person and sacrifice more for that person, um, it opens their heart to you, doesn't it? Um, remember that thing, the five love languages? And, you know, and I learned for the first time, it was like the light bulb came onto my head. My wife is an acts of service person. Wow, what a concept. And that's how I understood, and I began to do acts of service for her. It was amazing. Her heart opened up toward me, and our relationship improved. The same thing is true of your relationship with God. As you serve him, as you love him, as you seek him with all your heart, his heart is going to open up wider and wider toward you, and the relationship is going to grow sweeter. You say, well, I thought all of us were, were bought with the blood of Jesus. Yes, but Enoch walked with God. There was a special relationship there. If you want a special relationship with Christ, first of all, you need a relationship with Christ. Secondly, improve your obedience. How do you do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep your sins confessed to the Lord. I do that. You know, I try to I actually try to do that immediately when I sin. Um, Immediately afterwards, I say, Lord, I confess that. I sinned when I fill in the blank. But if for some reason I've gotten distracted or, or for whatever reason didn't confess my sin, and, I, and I, I get to my quiet time and something comes to mind, I just immediately confess it to the Lord and try to deal with it right there. Uh, but then ask, ask the Holy Spirit, change my heart. Live through me this righteous life. And as you do that, as you improve and you learn to walk in the strength and the empowerment of the Spirit, you will notice a difference in your prayer life and a greater intimacy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow in our obedience and our holiness before you. Lord, there's not a one of us who don't need the blood of Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight, Lord, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight they choose to repent of their sin and put their trust in you. And the price that Christ paid at Calvary's cross. But Lord, uh, for those who, who um, have trusted Christ, I pray, Father, that each of us...